0: Hi, I'm Heather Mulder. And I'm Janice Scrino and you're listening to Dementia Untangled, where we explore the topic of dementia through conversations with physicians, experts,
1: and community leaders. Our discussions focus on innovative ideas, practical strategies, and proven methods to guide caregivers along a supportive path. Hello,
0: and welcome to Dementia Untangled. Thank you so much for joining us
1: for this episode of our podcast. Today, our conversation will be with Dr. Palavi Joshi, who is a geriatric psychiatrist with Banner Alzheimer's Institute. And we're going to be discussing diet and dementia. Janice, I did an online search. I was just a little curious. I did an online search earlier today and just looked up diet and dementia and it was unbelievable how many results came up. Books like the Alzheimer's diet, the mind diet, the Alzheimer's antidote, everyday mini miracles, news stories, the number one best diet for dementia, amino acid supplements prevent neuronal death, dementia diet warning, eat one teaspoon of this food to reduce your risk. I don't even know how to sort through all of that noise. And it makes me think about when I was doing community presentations, all of the people who would come up with information about things like coconut oil, take this and you won't get dementia or drink one glass of red wine, but not two, or my all time favorite. I think I had someone come up to me and tell me that she had read if you eat food, foods that were shaped like the organ, then it would help it stay healthy. So if you ate foods that were shaped like a brain, then that would help your brain stay healthy. Things like pecans.
0: No way. I have never heard that one before, Heather. That one, That is a first for me, but you're, you are just so right. You know, it can be so overwhelming to know which diet is best. And then you just read different information everywhere and you're just wondering when it comes to diet and dementia do i have to read the labels which diet is best we always hear about eating a healthy colorful diet and i also hear about cutting out specific things like don't eat sugar or don't eat unhealthy fats or processed foods and Heather, they even say don't eat pasta. So I'm telling you when I'm talking to caregivers and others in the community, I often hear about diet questions, but something that comes up all the time is people trying to find solutions for their loved ones or for themselves. And they're worried and they're just thinking like you had mentioned. I saw something online, so what supplement should I be taking to help stave off dementia or slow it down because I'm really feeling desperate here. And I just know that there are so many questions out in the community and I even have questions. And I am so glad that Dr. Joshi is with us today to untangle this topic.
1: Welcome, Dr. Joshi. Thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Before we dive into diet and dementia, I would love to learn a little bit more about you. Could you tell us about your journey and what led you to connect with the dementia community?
2: Absolutely. Right after I graduated college, I worked as a psychometrician for Alzheimer's disease clinical trials in Boston. And I thought the the clinical trials industry is really fascinating but what I kept getting drawn to was the stories of the patients and the participants whose you know lives had been changed by this diagnosis and the caregivers that were counting on their diverse resources and so I've started looking more into medical school, and in medical school, I met geriatric psychiatrists who were just great mentors and great teachers, and I got more and more drawn to this profession, and
1: here I am now. What a great story. Um, It's so fascinating to hear about, you know, the influence of our teachers and other colleagues that we've worked with and how that can really shape um, the journey that our careers take. So Dr. Joshi, as you heard from Janice and myself, we really need to talk to you today because there are so many ads on TV, online, talk shows. will talk about this is how we should be eating to prevent um, dementia in ourselves and the people we care about. How do we wade through all these messages that are coming to us about diet? Yeah, it's a great question. And we
2: all wish there was a magic pill, don't we? But unfortunately, there's no magic pill, but there is still a lot we can do in terms of modifying our diet and lifestyle to eat well for physical and cognitive well-being. I think that a lot of times we talk about diet, and when I hear the word diet, I automatically think of a time-limited, restrictive eating regimen with a certain drastic goal at the end. And a lot of the diets that I'm going to talk about today are not time-limited restrictive eating regimens. They're more like lifestyle and eating processes that we gradually change over time to incorporate things that are have shown to be better for the, for the brain, the mind, and the body. And it's an ongoing process. And there is flexibility and changes depending on your personal medical history
0: and personal preferences as well. I like how you're saying it's an ongoing process. Um, That's just such a different concept than diet, you know, because sometimes you'll read, if I eat this one thing or avoid this one thing, it will change my health for the better and it will change my life. Tell me more about those types of things that come our way. So
2: I wish there was a magic on off uh, food that could change our lives. But, um, you know, any food that we eat has the Benefits we get from the foods we eat are from the nutrients that we derive from it. Um, and everything that we eat, our human body is designed to eat in moderation. And really, there is, if there was, our, our bodies aren't designed to suddenly go from eating a, a certain diet, let's say, uh, you know, meat and potatoes, um, eating a certain number of kinds a day, eating a certain number of calories a day, to a completely drastic switch. Uh, there's a a period of adjustment that um, both our physical and psychological bodies need to adapt to the diet. And a drastic change doesn't always mean drastic results. The faster switch does not always mean faster results. Um, Oftentimes people who make a very rapid and drastic change aren't able to sustain that diet and lose the potential benefits because it's not Um, something they can maintain over a period of time.
1: Dr. Joshi, I hear you talking about these kind of longer term goals of lifestyle changes and really making an investment and making good decisions. But I am a big fan of the easy button. Isn't there just a supplement that I could take that could keep me from getting dementia? So there are two
2: vitamins specifically that have been linked with reversible cognitive impairments, namely vitamin B12 and folate. Um, and if these levels are found to be low in lab workups, either during a routine wellness check at your primary care office, or you start to notice cognitive impairment and it comes up as part of the workup, then supplementing these deficiencies with with oral tablets can correct the deficiency and improve cognition associated with that deficiency. Now, the other nutrients, um, many foods, blueberries, leafy greens, um, curcumin, which is a compound found in the spice turmeric, um, resorbital, which is found in red wine. So just to name a few, um, have gotten a lot of buzz about their potential cognitive benefits Um, because they're thought to have anti-inflammatory or antioxidant properties that might help protect the brain. There have been some studies done on this, but so far there's no consistent evidence that eating or avoiding a specific food can prevent Alzheimer's disease or age-related cognitive decline. That is not to say that these foods are bad for you or that uh, they have no potential benefit, the evidence just is not there yet. And we, the scientific community needs to do a lot of work on this before we can make concrete recommendations for any of these individual
0: foods. Thank you so much for sharing about that. When I'm out in the community, um, either virtually or back when I was in person in the community, or if I'm talking to family and friends, that is one question that often comes up over and over again so i appreciate that and i want you um to though go back to the process of eating healthy and the evidence around the the let's not call it a diet but the evidence of what should i be eating and what's been proven to help people to um build their brains I like how you
2: use the word build their brains, because I think of it, I think of dietary modification, similar as a similar process to physical exercise. So just like you couldn't go out, or at least I couldn't go out today and run a marathon. Most people require some training and you start off slow and with a steady regimen, a regular regimen, pushing yourself a little bit every day, you work that up. And in that process, you build up your cardiovascular and muscular Um, endurance. And so I I think of eating modification in a similar way, that it's a a process that starts slowly. And in the process, um, you build up your ability to eat certain foods more consistently, even if they weren't something that you used to eat regularly, you're able to find more natural ways to incorporate them regularly in your diet. So there are two proposed mechanisms of how diets can modify dementia or Alzheimer's disease risk. The first is that eating certain diets can affect biological mechanisms such as oxidative stress and inflammation. And inflammation is the inflammation we talk, uh, we talk about is uh, a neurochemical change that can happen in the neurons and the cells of our body, and not so much a physical inflammation of the brain that would be visible or felt. Another way a diet can work indirectly is by affecting other risk factors such as diabetes, heart disease, and hypertension, um, which can which can down the downstream modify the risk for Alzheimer's or dementia. Overall, the lifestyle interventions that do decrease the risk of dementia include smoking cessation. So this is, there are very few absolutes in dementia, but this is one of the closest to an absolute that smoking cessation absolutely does help modify the risk of dementia, Um, regular exercise, and a diet that's high in fish, vegetables, whole grains, and low in sugar and red meat, and low amounts of alcohol. So earlier, um, I heard you mention of, of several of the diets and a couple of the diets that you mentioned were the Mediterranean and the mind diet. Um, and um, the Mediterranean diet is one, one of the um, diets that has a lot of evidence for dementia and has been studied a lot. Um, and basically it's a diet that emphasizes fruits, vegetables, whole grains, um, fish and other seafood unsaturated fats such as olive oil, and low amounts of red meat, eggs, and sweets. So so they've they've done a lot of um, observational studies on the Mediterranean diet, and one of them, they followed um, 116 cognitively normal adults, so people who did not have dementia, and compared those who followed the Mediterranean diet to, to those who did not follow the Mediterranean diet. And a few years down the line, they saw that the people who had followed the Mediterranean diet had thicker cortical brain regions. And the cortex and cortical thickness is associated with cognition and memory formation. And so having thicker cortical brain regions could mean some cognitive benefit. They also saw that people who did not follow the Mediterranean diet closely had lower glucose metabolism and higher levels of beta amyloid protein. And both of these are seen in people with Alzheimer's. So in the studies that have been done so far, the Mediterranean diet is associated with a slower decline in in performance on the various cognitive tests that they've done, a reduced risk of dementia. Uh, Last year in 2020, uh, the researchers at the National Institute of Health published a study that looked at the lifestyles of over 7,000 participants and followed them for five to 10 years. Um, They filled out questionnaires to determine their their eating habits and also had cognitive tests of memory, language, and attention, which were administered to them over the phone. And they use this data to determine the dietary factors that are most important in lowering the risk of cognitive impairment, which is the cognition compared to other people your age, as well as cognitive decline, which is your cognition compared to your cognition a few years ago. And if if I could answer what the single most important dietary factor was, it was fish. So fish was the single most important dietary factor in lowering the risk of cognitive impairment, which is the cognition compared to other people your age. Vegetables were second best. And of all the foods evaluated, only fish was associated with a lower risk of cognitive decline. And so eating fish lowered the risk of both cognitive impairment and cognitive decline. Well, how often do you have to eat fish? So the recommendation is at least uh, two to three times a week. And I know, well, I happen to love fish, but I know a lot of people don't love fish. Um, So it can take a little work to modify, to incorporate that into a diet. But, you know, I think it's worth investing that time and finding out what you really enjoy eating um, to be able to successfully incorporate into a diet. Some people like more fatty fish. They like the oily taste of it and, you know, it's closer to uh, the other meats for them. Other people don't like the fish and they prefer a light flaky fish that you can put a sauce on it and disguise the flavor. Um, so, um, you know, it's, and seafood too. So There's a lot of fish and seafood but, and that might take a little bit of trial and error but think of it as a fun process of, you know kitchen experimentation.
1: I love that um, attitude shift around trying new things. So you mentioned the Mediterranean and the mind Diet are actually um, have some evidence behind them, but there's other kind of more trendy diets like keto, paleo, Atkins, and you really say for those, it's every diet is not for every person. Is that right? Absolutely. So with the mind diet and Mediterranean diet,
2: the focus is on incorporating foods and that are shown to be beneficial in a more consistent way there is nothing in the Mediterranean mind diet that focuses on um, elimination or complete restriction or restricting eating during a certain window of time there's nothing extreme about these diets which is perhaps why they're more implementable sometimes some diets that focus on severe calorie restriction elimination of a food group or you know certain windows of not eating or drinking are not, may not be the best diet for everybody. Um, People who have diabetes or fluctuating blood sugar may suffer more risks from following very restrictive diets. So before embarking on any trendy diet, I recommend consulting your doctor to ask if that diet is really appropriate
0: you know, that is such great advice. And I think that we, we all need to hear that, but particularly our caregivers and people who are living with dementia, you know, age is the biggest risk factor with dementia. And so we're talking about people that might be in that category and be more likely to have diabetes or other illnesses that could be impacted if they're not eating a diet that's healthy for them and so that they should talk to their doctor about that. Tell me this, I know sometimes it's good to talk to a nutritionist. At, w- at what point do you do that and how might that benefit you?
2: Yeah, so I think everybody, you know, we can all benefit from making certain diet- dietary changes for prevention, both prevention of physical diseases like diabetes, hypertension, and heart disease, and for cognitive wellness. And most people can follow these diets. However, people who may benefit from consulting a nutritionist are people who have either a lot of medical problems that restrict their ability to follow a certain diet, metabolic or autoimmune conditions that affect metabolism of certain you know, certain dietary compounds and importantly, people who have restrictions in eating. So people who may not be able to tolerate solid foods or certain, you know, certain types of food. Anytime that anybody is, you know, they're struggling with being able to intake food and retain it, that, that should prompt a medical evaluation. Why is this happening? Because the inability to intake food and retain food is not normal.
1: Dr. Joshi, as you're talking today, it keeps kind of coming into the back of my mind. I wonder if diet is really the term that we're after. The one that keeps coming forward to me is nutrition, nourish. How do we nourish our body rather than restricting all of these different elements as a lot of these diets are are kind of purporting, whereas Um, the ones that are really taking care of your brain are about nourishing your body. Do you think diet is the right way to talk about this? I really liked how you use the term nourish.
2: So I, you know, I, I agree with you that diet has a connotation of restriction and, you know, kind of um, an all or none attitude. And when we talk about nourishing our brains and nourishment for wellness, we don't talk about an all or none attitude. Um, There are a lot of the things that have been shown to improve dementia prevention, leafy vegetables, whole grains, fish, nuts, olive oil are helpful to incorporate. And they, you know, uh, so when they looked in, when when they've looked at people who adhered to these types of diets or the mind diet, which is, Um, a modification of the Mediterranean diet. They found that those who really stuck with it after an average of about five years, 53% had a reduced rate of Alzheimer's compared to those who did not. However, those who stuck with it partially had not the full benefit, but some benefit and some improvement compared to those who did not modify their diet at all from um, a diet that was high in red meat, sugar, and processed carbohydrates. So the takeaway is that it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be an all or none diet. It is really a process of nourishment. And the more healthy foods we can incorporate in our, in our regimen or in our, in our nourishment, the better the outcomes are. However, even if you are able to incorporate some of these elements, there's still a benefit.
0: That is such excellent, excellent advice. And it also makes me start thinking about some caregivers that I've talked to who have asked me about their loved one, and typically their loved one is up in age, maybe in their 90s. And they're just really wanting to eat ice cream a lot. And their, their caregiver is saying, I want my, my loved one to get better or to slow down the pro- progression of this dementia. Is it okay for them to be eating ice cream and goodies instead of eating things that are more healthy for them? It all comes down to our goals and the
2: risk benefit. In younger age and middle age, we eat Well, to prevent the development of things that may happen 20, 30, 40 years from now. So we're making modifications for changes that may happen down the line. For people who have mild uh, cognitive impairment or earlier stages of dementia or people who have cardiovascular illness, uh, diseases that are uh, diagnosed may stick to a diet or a change in nutrition to modify things that have already been set in motion. So the goals are different. However, for somebody who is very old, you know, maybe in the later stages of dementia, doesn't have a good prognosis, the goal is not so much modification of the outcome that will manifest 10 to 20 years from now. So any diet or any dietary modification is consistent with our goals of care. And if the goals are comfort, then a restrictive diet does, doesn't really align with that goal. And if, um, you know, ice cream is the only thing that they, they can keep down, then perhaps that is something that's within their goals of care.
1: Really interesting how it keeps coming up today, the shift in mindset from diet to nourishment to um, what are the goals of of what you're intaking? Um, I wonder. Can you help make this easy for us? Do you have any specific practical tips that could help us sort of day to day? I think
2: you know, like you said, the shift in mindset and the shift in regimen does take a lot of work. It is some. It's a it's a process that you have to practice. And I think doing it as a team or doing it with someone else can be helpful. Uh, so just you know, a lot of times people who exercise have an exercise buddy to keep them accountable. So doing it with somebody else, you know, um, having a buddy, um, try to make it as fun as possible. You know, um, if you're hesitant to try a new new food or a new recipe, trying to kind of make it a party, inviting you know a close friend or a family member to try that food with you sharing recipes with each other. And, you know, remember, it's not all or none, it doesn't have to be, you know, 100% fish diet to be effective. The incorporation comes with practice and trying more things over time, The, the, you know, the most important thing is just to start trying and stick with it. And this, this, this is a process that unravels over a period of months and years and not
0: a period of minutes and hours. These are such wonderful tips. And it's just so interesting to shift your mindset from just that word diet to goals, to a new process, a, a new way of thinking and living for the rest of your life and that it can be done in small steps and there can be a very big payoff. Uh, So I love that. And I love how you're saying, hey, get your friends and family involved and try out new recipes and and, um, try to make it fun. And one of the things that I do think of when I think of um, eating healthy is to remember to hydrate. Can you tell us about that and the importance of hydration?
2: Absolutely. So at least, you know, the recommendation is 12 to 15 cups of water a day. But um, in the summertime, or especially in Arizona, we might need to drink more water. Um, And one thing I hear a lot um, is that I hate water. And I can (laughs) completely empathize with that. People are like, oh, how can I drink 15 cups? I don't want to drink one cup. (laughs) And I can 100% empathize with that. So it doesn't have to be, you know, literal tap water. Um, Try something fun like seltzer. A lot of people enjoy the bubbles in seltzer. It tastes more refreshing. Um, Flavored seltzers. As long as it's sugar-free because sodas including art, you know diet sodas are not just water they have uh, added sugar and added na- um, artificial sweeteners to them so you're not just intaking your water intake you're also increasing your um, natural and artificial sweetener intake so as long as it's a sugar free, drink. Uh, I know I've seen in grocery stores, they sell the crystal light packets, sugar-free crystal light packets. You can carry them with you and dissolve them in water. It helps a lot of people handle the taste of water better. I mean, I know it's like it's supposed to be not taste like anything, but I know everybody has very strong feelings about the taste of water.
0: Right, and it makes me think about um what you had said previously about fish. You can have fun with water too, and you can experiment. Some people like to put uh, lemon in their water, you know, people that just don't like the flavor or they they put cucumbers and strawberries, and it just makes it so much more refreshing for them.
2: Yeah, I like that idea. It sounds like a spa, cucumber and lemon
1: water. Right. Dr. Joshi, I think this has been such an interesting conversation and I really appreciate how you have encouraged our listeners to just take small steps to have these bigger results. I wonder if before we close today, if you could give us our, your final thought when it comes to diet and dementia.
2: Well, thank you for such a wonderful conversation. Um, I think, you know, you summarize it so well that really the big thing is, not to think of it as a diet and to think of it as an ongoing process and to relax a little bit and have fun with it to try to incorporate it into your life.
1: Today, our conversation has been with Dr. Palavi Joshi, who is a geriatric psychiatrist at Banner Alzheimer's Institute. We so appreciate you helping us untangle diet and dementia. Yes, thank you so much, Dr. Joshi. It's been such an honor
0: to have you on our podcast today. Thank you so much, Janice and Heather. It's been a pleasure talking to both of you. Well, yes. And thank you, Heather, for another great conversation and thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you for joining us. And if you haven't already, we just ask that you please subscribe to Dementia Untangled and share this podcast. And you can also check out our website, BannerALZ.org for additional resources, education and research opportunities. We so appreciate your feedback and we invite you to join the conversation by emailing us at bannerhealth.com. I'm looking forward to our next conversation on Dementia Untangled. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dementia Untangled. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you
1: listen to podcasts. Dementia Untangled is hosted by Heather Mulder and Janice Greeno, produced and edited by Amber Ayers, and is brought to you by Banner Alzheimer's Institute and Banner Sun Health Research Institute. We are supported by generous donations to the Banner Alzheimer's Foundation. Please
0: visit our website at banneralz.org and follow us on Facebook to learn about upcoming events. If you have questions or comments, please email us at dementiauntangled at bannerhealth.com.